Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Cast, Player FM, and on the biggest platform on the planet, iHeart Podcast, and as always on Block Talk Radio. Episode 295, we are going to be chatting NFL 2019 Week 7, College Football Week 8. We're also going to dive in in about an hour or so to the women's Great Iron News and Notes from Costa Rica, Great Iron Australia plus international events as well, and we'll be talking to Mackenzie Brooks in about an hour. And today we're going to have our co-host, Hall of Fame quarterback and Hall of Fame linebacker, obviously Holly Custis of the WNFC Utah Falcons, and as well as Louise Bean. So we're going to be talking trade, NFL trades. In the first uh, 15 minutes here, we're not going to have a no-joke football huddle today. We don't have any uh, guests on today. So we are going to be jam-packed two hours. NFL, college football, and then we're going to dive into uh, the women's scene, which is hot and heavy in terms of the Czech Republic, Austria. Uh, we got down to uh, also Costa Rica. And um, so just, you know, a lot of news co- happening. And we also have tryouts. WFAProFootball.com is where you want to go if you're interested in trying to get into the 2020 season for the Women's Football Alliance, uh, the largest uh, organization in women's tackle football in the United States. So you want to go to WFAProFootball.com. You go there, find the team that's near you, either by region or location. Uh, contact them via Facebook or email, and then you can get hooked up with uh, information on tryouts and how to get onto a team. There's over 60 teams nationwide, so there should be a team nearby, close by. And then we also have WNFC. The WNFC uh, – WNCfootball.com. You can go there. They had their tryouts on October 5th, but they'll always take in players as well. So you can always contact any of the uh, almost 20 teams in the WNFC as well. So let's bring in our co-host here and let's start this uh, whirlwind that is the NFL trade uh, gap. And it's, and it goes, I think for another week or two. So trade deadlines here, um, Louise and uh, Holly, any surprises? Uh, Sanders goes to the Niners. So that's a kind of like a, a nice pickup. Are you guys there? Louise? Are you there? Let's see here. Holly, is that you? Hello? Louise, are you? Hi, Louise, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. Can you, Is Holly on? Can you hear me? I, I don't know if she's on. It. Yeah, no problem. Um, what do you think of the trade deadline, the Sanders to um, San Francisco here? Well, gosh, I was dying to hear what Holly was going to say because this is her team. And so, I mean, there's always big names that switch. You know, last year it was Amari Cooper. And it's I know that San Francisco's still looking, you know, maybe for another um, a couple more people, but they're good. And so, um, 
you know, it doesn't surprise me, but I really think Holly's the better person to uh, discuss this with. Her passion is there in San Francisco. Can you hear me Holly, okay? Yeah, uh, Holly Sanders, that's a good pickup. I mean, that's a solid oh pickup. Gosh. I mean, his, num- his numbers are down, you know, in, in somewhat, yeah. because they haven't been throwing the ball to him. But, I mean, if you look at his overall history with him, that's that's a weapon. I'm really excited because that's kind of the, the piece we've been missing. <clears throat> Our receiving core is definitely – it definitely has more depth this year than last year, but a lot of that depth is banged out currently, and we still don't quite have the number one receiver, at least the receiver that the stretch the field um, downfield. And uh, this hopefully is that piece, and he's going to really open the game up a lot for Kittle as well, as well as our uh, thought receivers underneath. And um, I think, you know, he he's just dealing with the, with the fact that the Broncos' offense is just, really that bad. I don't think it really has anything to do with him. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do uh, in this offense. It, it's awesome. I think he saw the writing on the wall, and he decided to call his agent and go, get me out of here. <laughs> Pretty much. I would not be surprised. In, in, in a similar um, uh, you know, type of situation, you know, Sanu going to the Patriots is also exactly what the Patriots need because they have yeah. right now it's the it's the Tom Brady Edelman show and you know, you have to have other weapons besides that and they really don't have that uh second or third guy consistently. Um Jeff Gordon is great, but he's been banged up and then they don't have Gronk anymore to stretch the field downfield. And so Sanu is a very awesome pickup for the Patriots because they, they need a complimentary guy with Edelman. Um, and I think uh, that's a really good fit for, for them as well. Luis, uh, Sanu going to the Patriots, um, if they get back healthy with Gordon and everybody else, um, this guy right here saw the writing on the wall as well because Atlanta has been struggling offensively poorly, and he's not been in the mix anyways. So this is a good move for him to go to a contender all, all right off the bat. Well, heck yeah! I mean, no one, I didn't, I don't think people predicted Atlanta to be so bad and to be winless, and I don't think people expected uh, New England to be totally undefeated at this point. They haven't really played a very tough schedule, um, and so the naysayers. But they say that about your Falcons too. They say that about your Falcons, too, you know what I mean? But you just got to play where you yeah. got to play, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and I, when I've watched the Patriots, they look good. Um, I think Tom Brady's body, I knew that he was really into lifting and trying to really improve himself. I know he's like that every year, but I just think they've looked good, and he's on target, and, heck, man, if I, I, I'd want out of Atlanta, too. So, But, yeah, you bring up a good point. I you got to play who you got to play. You got Michelle. You got Michelle rocking. You got Edelman there. He's just another tool, and he comes into a system that's already rolling. So he, his assets are just going to be similar to uh, Sanders in San Francisco, just an added plus upgrade. You know what I mean? I mean, Garoppolo to Sanders, uh, I mean, that's just uh, instant success for the Niners if they use him correctly. Yeah, and, and, and we only gave up a uh, third and fourth round pick, really, for him. So I think that's a that's a really big deal considering what he could mean to our offense and our defense is playing so well. 
It's just a matter of we will go as far as our offensive defense. And with having that kind of weapon downfield, it will really open everything um, up offensively. So, you know, and I think it's really kind of funny to hear how much of a foil there is between the Niners and the Patriots. They're both undefeated. You have, you know, Jimmy's coming down from Tom Brady land and is basically like his mini-me. And both of them have pretty much the, the top two or three defenses in the league. Uh, both of them have done well offensively, but are kind of missing a couple pieces. And both of them they've moved to try to resolve that. So it's really, it's really kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not happy about it, Holly, because I'm in the same division you are. <laughs> So it doesn't make me happy that the Niners are operating. But well, I mean, you, you offensively, did, uh, if you look at it, enough, back a bit. you know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we picked up a center and then we picked up Ramsey. So yeah, but picking mm-hmm. up Sanders is huge. You know, to an offense, that's huge. That's production. And uh, with uh, Shanigan, I think he wants. I, I think this is his Julio Jones. What do you think? Because the makeshift of this offense is the replica of the Atlanta Falcons two years ago, and you just got Julio Jones basically. Wow. Yeah, it I, makes I think it's kind of a lot better, right way. Oh, definitely. So I mean, for four Niner fans, if you, have somebody... you know that this is a huge pickup, huge in terms of. I mean, it's early for the trade deadline, but I mean, name recognition. It Sanders is obviously top notch. Oh yeah, and I think that the Broncos are starting to realize that it's not their year, and then for them, it's actually not a, a bad. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a bad deal to get a couple draft picks, um, you know. But I think at this point the Broncos need to kind of uh, basically hit the restart button. But for the Niners, I, I think it's a great, great fit. He seems to be a hard worker. He seems like a guy that can kind of uh, be a veteran leader uh, with the young receivers. So we drafted some young receivers. They're just injured right now, and so we haven't really seen them. You know, as as much as we would like, because they've been banged up. So maybe he can come in and um, you know do his thing and kind of show them the ropes even more, and and it'll help them in the long run in that area as well. Yeah, uh, Seattle also picks up uh, Quandre Diggs. Um, they give up a fifth round pick to the Lions, and a two twenty and a seventh round pick in two, uh, 2021. So, uh, I mean, he's pretty um, pretty durable. I mean, a pretty good pickup in that sense as well. So, uh, Detroit looking to trying to stay, at, you know, into that contention. Oh yeah, and you, this is the the fun time of the year because you're in the middle of the season, but you can still make moves. So it's almost like you kind of get um, a little bit of a do-over of like, oh my God, we have a hole right here. We have injuries. We need to fill it, and so teams can kind of shop around and, and try to fill those needs. And I think you'll see a lot more in the next. Uh, I think uh, I think we have another eight nine days uh, on the window. Um, so I think it's going to get even more crazy. Oh yeah, we. I mean, we got till I think next Tuesday, uh, four o'clock mm-hmm. Eastern, which is what, um, like twelve our time or something like that, one p.m. our time, or two. Yeah, three, right. one p.m. our time. So we had till one o'clock on. On the Pacific side, on the East Coast, it's 4 p.m. But um, uh, being anything, any other ones that stood out for the trade uh, during the, this trade? I mean, Sanu big, Sanders big. Uh, I mean, Diggs not so big, I don't think, but a good key piece to pick up for um, for Detroit. Houston, I think, adds um, 
Conley. Uh, I guess they add Conley on there. The Chiefs uh, basically trying to look for a Band-Aid for Mahomes' injury. So we'll see how what they work out as well. So any other ones that stand out? Um, you know, I pay attention a lot to the Cardinals, and they've had three straight wins. Uh, obviously, they've got some good players. It's just a matter of putting some things together over there. And, uh, you know, they're not – they haven't done anything yet. But I, I especially like to watch them because people care about the Cardinals because of uh, Murray. And so some teams out there people don't care about unless they're the team that you live in the city or whatever, that kind of thing. But everyone pays attention to the Cardinals. So I'm watching them. We'll see what happens. But I think they'll make a trade. All right. So, uh, Holly, uh, everybody wants out of Miami. So cornerback <laughs> Fitzpatrick out of Miami, defensive and Quinn, Stills. God, as I, you know, you would think Miami is awesome because of the beach and – bikinis and everything else out there and the nice weather and stuff but everybody wants out of miami now it's just it's pretty bad even drake yeah um i think the the problem with miami really boils down to <clears throat> the culture that they have built uh, i think miami sports city really struggles because it, there's so you know the weather is awesome up to miami there's a there's a crazy nightlife and even day life and just the atmosphere in that city, even when they have good teams in that city and they're doing well, they've they've never really had good turnouts as far as crowds or support like they probably should. And I think as far as I know with the Dolphins, what they've tried to do is they've tried to connect with their fan base by having celebrities around and in ownership positions. And what's happened, I think, is that front office, has focused so much trying to connect with Miami, the city, that they have run the football team into the dirt. And I think they really need to kind of reset everything. Retool, not even just retool. Like, I think they need, like, a top-to-bottom restructuring (laughs) because I feel like they will end up with probably the first, second, maybe, I don't think that person's going to be successful if the culture doesn't change. So we'll see what happens. Bean, uh, they were competitive against uh, the Bills for one quarter. So that had been kind of like freaky out for, for the Bills. But they, they were competitive for one quarter, so that's still an improvement. Well, I think also the onside kick just sealed the deal. I mean, they did you see that highlight? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that's rough. Um, I, I do think they have – some good players. I think their coach, certain coaches are committed. I mean, you know, they don't want to lose their job and things like that. But I just don't think that they, the management is on their side. And like uh, Holly said, the culture's not right. And uh, it's tough if you're going in every week undermanned and undercoached. So, yeah, I'd want out of there too. Nice city. A lot of people like to live there, I guess. I wouldn't want to live there. Too many people. But nice city, warm weather near the beach. So All right, I agree um, with Holly. Holly, uh, do, should the Browns just play at home for the rest of the year? Because they are horrible <laughs> on the road. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, Browns are always going to be interesting this year. Um, 
I think that it, it's one of those things that they are just not who everybody thought they were going into the year. Holly, you don't sound very hopeful for this Browns franchise. You're trying to make no, some sort I of, like, not. softening. It's the Sports Illustrated <laughs> curse. Sports Illustrated yeah. curse, Holly. You said it yeah, at the beginning of the year, and you're right. That, that could be it. But really, I think it, it boils down to you have a team that played decent on the last part of last year. Then every, and because the fan base is so starved and everybody, they've been so bad for so long, and everyone's, yes, <laughs> okay, this is our year, this is our year, finally this is our year. And then what happened is the players bought into that hype before they earned anything. And it's it's one thing if you buy into your own hype if you've earned it. Like if you're the Patriots or like you're the Rams last year, like they backed up that hype, right? But if you're the Browns and literally your best was maybe getting close to 500 last year, you haven't done anything. Like, it, like they they haven't done anything. They added uh, Odell, but Odell has really struggled because I don't feel like they have an offensive identity right now. And what they really should be doing is what they did um, the first half against the Seahawks was run the ball. They need to run the ball with Chubb. He's a decent running back. It will take the pressure off of Baker because right now Baker's trying to do everything. And that only will take you so far in the NFL. So, uh, you know, they they have pieces, they have talent, but I think that it's going to take them a couple of years to try to build their culture and their structure. All right, Louise, hey, uh, the I Bengals say, are one of two win. Yeah, go ahead. I just got to say, I said a long time ago at the beginning that I thought the Browns had a lot of prima donnas that thought they were pretty good. And I do think you they have good – I did. They do have good individual players. But it takes a lot more than that. And I and I, I appreciate uh, Baker's personality. I think it's, you know, a good personality for that city. But I'm not sure if it always is the best use of his personality. And sometimes I think yeah. he just needs to sh- – Shut his mouth and go play football and earn it that way instead of, like, pointing fingers at refs and just stuff like that. And, you know, Holly's right. They haven't done anything yet. They think they're really good. But, anyway, that's my parting thought on that. But I think the city needs the identity that they bring to the team. It's just that they haven't put it together and they still are prima donnas. Anyways, Bengals are not good. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. But they are really oh, yeah. nice. Is it Ohio? Well, really, really I don't know nice. about you guys, but is it Ohio that is just horrible or what? Yeah. It's just a horrible team. Oh, man. Oh, man. I yeah. saw when the Niners played the Bengals earlier in the year, and I just saw the Niners, like, when the Niners ran the ball on the Bengals, it was like, it was, I don't even know, it was so porous that you could drive a truck through these holes. Like, we were all out of position. And I was like, what are they doing on defense? And then their offense is not good. And I was like, this is a really bad team. <laughs> like, they are bad this year. Yeah. Luis, uh, Mike Brown's not going to pay for Green. I don't know what Green's thinking. No, no, Mike Brown's never paid for anybody. <laughs> like, even yeah. in, in, in the lifespan of the Bengals, uh, he's never paid for really good, you know, money. And, I think Green is probably one of those guys that's just holding out as well, trying to look for see if somebody will pick him up. Well, the Bengals have a good quarterback, and so that's usually the starting problem, but it's backwards for them. So, I mean, they've won. He's won playoff games, and wait, did he not? He, yeah, he's won a playoff game, right? I can't remember. There was he's uh, what did he call that? Uh, what do you call Don? Uh, um, I can't remember his name right now. I know, uh, what, I know. It's what's just, his name? Yeah. Uh, Andy Holly, Dalton. what's his uh, Yeah, Dalton. Dalton. Dal- 
Dalton. I mean, he, he's just he, – he's durable. He's been great. He's been consistent. But he's not going to get you to the promised land. And so the, the Bengals, this is just – I don't know. The Ohio swing is frustrating. Yeah. Because if you're a Bengals fan and you're a, a Browns fan, especially on the Browns side, you had this hype all preseason. Hey, we're coming in. Landry, Beckham. We're good, right? And you got Mayfield. We're good. And, I mean, technically they're horrible. <laughs> they're horrible. They're not good. Yeah. <laughs> and they showed it yeah. against San Francisco. They displayed a, a horrible situation in San Francisco. Uh, it was just – it was like – at this point, it's like Miami North. I mean, they're starting to look that way. <laughs> yeah, but people usually want to live in Miami. They don't want to live in Cincinnati. No, of <laughs> course. That is valid. But, they're they're both. Bad. I don't know. Yeah, they're both bad. Um, Holly, uh, let's go. Let's go into the re- let's go into the recap here. Kansas City loses a Mahomes on Thursday night, but they still pull out the win, thirty to six. How is this going to affect them on Sunday against the uh, Hail Mary King, which is Aaron Rodgers? Well, okay. So there's, there's multiple things to unpack about that game. So firstly, the Broncos are really bad too. And Flacco just looked completely awful. He is immobile, and he, he seems like every good quarterback needs to have that shot clock. This is how long I have before the pressure comes. He seems to have no self-awareness of anything. <laughs> back. And not only is he not mobile, he has no, like, internal clock, and he is like, all the time. And then their offense is really predictable, and – it's really frustrating when you watch the Broncos because they have some pieces, like their backfield, they have Lindsey and Roy Freeman, and those are really good young running backs that I don't think they're quite using right. And they have a couple pieces. They still have Von Miller, even though he's a little bit older now. Broncos are in trouble this year. Um, on the Chiefs' side, that's going to be a huge question mark because the Chiefs' defense really kind of sealed this game for them. And then Matt Moore came on after Mahomes got injured, and Matt Moore is not Mahomes. And Matt Moore, as far as I know, I think he retired and came back because their back hurt. So he was really going to be like a switching guy, you know, in case of emergency. And now he's called to play, and he just does not have the same dynamic that Mahomes does. So they're going to have to adjust their offensive game. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that – so you're saying the Chiefs are losing on Sunday. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, probably. I think <laughs> oh. probably unless oh. <laughs> unless 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 um Andy Reid came some magic with the Holmes because here's the thing, like Aaron Rodgers and that offense is finally starting to figure out mm-hmm. their stuff right now and the Packers have a decent defense. So the the Chiefs still have like Kelsey and they still have Hill and they still have the weapons. So it's really gonna boil boil down to can Matt Moore move the ball? Can he move the ball, have long, sustained drives, and put up points? Because if that offense goes three and out, three and out, three and out, because he can't move the ball, then the Chiefs are in trouble. And it's kind of sad because it would have been a great matchup with Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers right now. Uh, but I think I think that's the key. What can Matt Moore do in this situation? And how long can he hold out until Mahomes comes back? That That's the big question mark with the Chiefs. And it really opens the door for for the Patriots right now because really 
who else is going to um, challenge the Patriots right now in the AFC? Um, you know, the, the Chiefs Jets. are going to take a couple back. <laughs> Not the Jets. The Jets. I'm Did you hear that guy on Twitter? He said, yeah. hey, our defense is going to take care of you for the next three years. You may be scared. Oh, I saw that. That meddling. was really funny. <laughs> oh, what an ass. Or, I mean, I'm sorry. What a bonehead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm going it was Chiefs. Yeah. I'm going with Chiefs. Just you going with the Chiefs? Yeah, just because they, they – well, it'll be a close game. I, I'm, I want to go with the Chiefs. I think Green Bay will win it because they're pretty hot. But Chiefs aren't, you know, they're they're still pretty good. And they won big this past week. So Matt Moore will get better. That's what I got. All right, so you're going with the Chiefs. I'm going with the Packers, guaranteed sealed delivered. I think I think <laughs> Rodgers gets on a clinic. And and the defense holds down the uh, run game. That's all they have, especially with not, not having Mahomes. Um Louise, yeah, uh, there's a little bit of moronic, idiotic uh, sentiment in the Jets fan base thinking that you're going to beat Brady. I mean, I don't understand how their logic would be that. But um, where was Sam Donald? They're like the Browns. They're like throwing interceptions, five interceptions. Wow. Oh, my gosh, yeah. They're like the Browns up in uh, for the Jets because they've – had the great game the night the week before they believe all their hype and so you got to come in and be believers because it's no fun to come in. They beat the lose, Cowboys so. and now they yeah. just throw this horrible <laughs> outing against the New England. I'm like, it's yeah. like a totally different. Did they go get drunk at home? Because that's what they look like, drunk people. Yeah, they they thought they were better than they were, but also New England yeah. can do that to you too. So, Holly. Um, what do we say about Dallas and Philly, the turnaround game from the Jets to now? Philadelphia, it was a must-win for both. And uh, Philadelphia just, I mean, is this going to be a trend? We got Miami, you got the Browns, you got the Jets, and all of a sudden the Eagles look like them as well. You know, it's one of those things that you're like, which version of the Cowboys do we actually have? The one that got destroyed by the Jets, who just was god-awful last night, or the one that destroyed the Eagles. And then then you're kind of looking at it like, well, is it that the Cowboys have really bounced back, or how bad are the Eagles? And I really feel like the Eagles look look kind of out of sorts. Like, Wentz didn't look like himself. Like, they just didn't seem like the same team that everybody thought they would be going into the season. So I really think it says more about the Eagles, um, and uh, it seems like they're just kind of off. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like it looked like they were just um, not in sync. I mean, he's throwing to it a blatant defender. How do you how do you do that? You know what I mean? It's like, come on, people. Uh, I I don't understand. I just I was watching that game, and everybody on Twitter was like, "Is this a Sunday night game?" And then everybody turns around. For Monday night, just it was a horrible aspect on one fan base. So if you're a Philly fan base, a bad night. If you're a Jets fan, you probably just put your bag early. That's what happened on Monday. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, the the Jets last night were so bad, and uh, Sam Darnold, like he just like 
was doing everything incorrectly that you would need your quarterback to do. He's throwing off his back foot. He's not, like, reading the defense at all. He's throwing – I think he's trying to throw the ball away, and he just throws it to the defender. Like, he looks just really confused. <laughs> so, I don't know. There's a few fan bases up there right now that are definitely struggling. Yeah. Um, Luis, let's head over to next week. We got Washington revitalized Washington that almost took down the Niners in field goal mentality. They're taking on Kurt Cousins and the Red Hot Digs and Cousins show. Yeah, so I think Cousins is going to win that one. Um, and, yeah, that game shouldn't have been that close, Holly. Just saying. It was, did you watch the weather, though? It was one of yeah. those old <laughs> where, like, I think part of it, like, obviously we should have put up more points. But we were in the red zone actually a couple more times besides that. But it seemed like nobody could get their footing. Like, every time Jimmy uh, tried to drop back in the pass, everybody was flipping and sliding. Nobody could get out of their routes. Like, it was a disaster for both teams. It was kind of fun to watch. And I think, like, halfway through the first quarter, I just had to be like, you know, it's not going to be – if this was on dry land – we would be up by a lot more right now, but we just have to kind of enjoy that we're going to still win the game, and it's going to be a little crazy. <laughs> That's kind of how there I was. I was oh, God, it was standing water everywhere. Yeah. It's like every time they had a slow motion replay, like you'd see, like, just, like, oceans of water everywhere. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. No, it was. it's kind of fun to watch from a bystander. If you're planning it, you oh, start yeah. to think, all right, I'm – time to head for the showers after a certain point, but it was a close game. Oh, so. yeah. yeah, I, I don't so think Minnesota Washington win that is, game. is the nod? Yeah. yeah. Minnesota's the nod. Uh, Washington's yeah. revitalized, Luis. New coaching staff. It looks like they're revitalized. They're like re-energized a little bit. So they're competitive. They uh, played really tough against a Niner team in, you know, in water, in mud. We'll see how they do against uh, Minnesota at Minnesota. This is their big test if they if they're gonna make anything of a season this year. Um, Luis, Miami Pittsburgh. I'm looking forward to this Monday nighter. Oh, Miami man. Pittsburgh. Sarcasm already. Miami might win this one. It could happen, but I don't. It think could that. happen. But they, it could. It could happen. Pittsburgh's not all that great. Um, but I still think it's at Pittsburgh, right? You just said that. Yeah, it was at it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a close game, but it's in Pittsburgh, so I'm going with that. All right, no worries. Um, so yeah, it, 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 I mean, this is kind of like a test for both teams in terms of what they're at. Um, you know, backup quarterbacks. Uh, Miami's not that great. I mean, I don't know about the U, but if you're the NFL, you're like, my God, how can hor- how more horrible can we get? Besides maybe Browns and Bengals <laughs> on Monday night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You know what I mean? like, oh man! Dang. I'm serious. I'm not. I'm not planning to watch it. I'm telling you that right now. I'm. I'm doing something on Monday. I'm not. What's I'm not doing Monday, Monday night. night game. What's the other Monday night game? Do you know? No, I'm just saying. I, I think that's the only game that I'm that I'm aware of. Oh, I don't know if there's another game. Into the double header. Okay. Yeah, I think okay. this is the only game for this week. Um, okay. But you know what? Pittsburgh has to win. Uh, Miami's pretty much lost cause. So it's a must-win uh-huh. for uh, for the Steelers really to stay in the uh, AFC contention or try to you know stay in the race. So we'll right. see how that works out. Um, if you guys want to go to Zazzle, 
Zazzle.com. We're having uh, 15% off site-wide. Use Zazz Saves the Day. It's up at the upper, uh, upper right-hand corner. Check it out. All our new stuff, all our brand-new logos, all our brand-new modern logo, everything that's there is 15% off. Check it out. Uh, everything that is going on right now, we got, we got Anna Garza supporting it, Michelle Marshall, Lonnie Lopez, Smooth Lori Jones, Sasha Cruz, Lexi Demio, Stacey Jackman, Amanda Ewers of uh, Gridiron Australia, Nadia Bono out, uh, of down south of uh, uh, Lexfront LFB, Kelsey Cristiano. We had Lauren Evans, Christy Moran. Uh, so it's the place to be. Go to Zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties. Get your leggings, tees, hoodies, and other gifts at Zazzle. They've been a sponsor for six years. So check it out. Go to Zazzle.com for slash Gridiron Beauties. Use the code Zazz saves the day. Uh, 15% off. Um, we are 6,800 on Twitter officially today. So I want to thank everybody that went to Twitter at Great Iron Beauty. And we are officially now at 6,800 strong. Uh, for the week, I posted on my personal page, for this week alone, we have reached 22,000 fans on combined on Facebook, Instagram, as well as Twitter, Snapchat, and you name it. So 22,000 fans uh, diving into us as we cover Women's American Football globally, as always. Um, if you want to go to the hub at Facebook.com, that's the place to be. If you don't know what's going on, need to know what's going on, you go to the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Check it out. Everything from the Czech Republic, everything from Austria, Brazil, Costa Rica. If you didn't know women play American football, guess what? You got to go to the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Beauties. The best network on the planet, bar none, and I mean that really strongly, we have the best network on the planet covering women's American football globally. And so thanks to all our network partners, and thanks to all our fans now that are diving in and uh, spreading and sharing and doing everything with comments. So really awesome. So, Luis, there it is. Uh, we are at 22,000 officially as of two days ago. So it's really awesome. Yeah, that's some great reach. You've done, you've done good work, Oscar. Yeah, we're doing, uh, I think, if you go to analytics, uh, we're at 7,200 followers, but we're reaching 13,000. So we're, double, we're reaching double the amount of followers because people are commenting and sharing our stories and sharing everything to their followers. So we're literally doubling what the amount of followers we have, which is great. Uh, I mean, I can't be more proud. Uh, everybody's done their job and this is what we're doing and we're we are we are our goal is to hit 30,000 so that's what we're checking for right now 30,000 fanatics uh made aware of women's uh american football which is pretty awesome Mhm. definitely all right um Luis, let's go to college football top uh week eight uh we still have alabama at the top uh lsu at the top ohio state clemson oklahoma at the top five uh, any any games that stood out for you this week? Oh, you know, this week was a bummer because I didn't I was out of town so I didn't get to watch any college football live except one game late at night from my phone because uh, I didn't have a TV and that was my own team mm-hmm. BYU which won which beat number 14 Boise State. So that was a big win. Um so I just saw some highlights here and there. Uh it, I knew that Alabama had retained. Do you agree? Do you agree? Do you agree with the top twenty-five right now? You think those are the top twenty-five? Yeah. Because we're looking at 
some some ranking predictions for the power rankings, some of them even put Ohio State above Alabama and even right. Oklahoma uh, in that top number four. I mean, so they're all debatable like we talked about in the past. Everything's kind of debatable. But if you look at the top ten, uh, you would start off with Auburn. Then you would say probably Notre Dame, Georgia, Florida, Penn State, Clemson, Oklahoma. And then the top four is where you kind of flip around, either be, you know, Alabama first or Ohio State first, uh, LSU second or third, et cetera. So it's, it's getting tight, in other words. Well, the, the rankings come out November 2nd, and they mm-hmm. obviously you have six or seven undefeated teams, not counting Appalachian State, who's Sunbelt, and they're number 21. So, and Boise State had the had the inside track on that until my team beat them. And so, and Boise State just didn't look all that good. But that's what happens when you play week in, week out, and that's why you play the game. So, any of those top six spots right now are just debatable. But all of those teams have ranked teams that they're going to be playing tough. I mean, the SEC is always crazy. The Big Ten is going to be uh, intense still. I mean, I'm a little – because Michigan's lost twice, and they're still ranked, but I know they've played good teams. Um, but, I mean, Oklahoma, all those top five or six teams, they just got great players. And, you know, LSU's quarterback is top-notch. In fact, the Clemson quarterback's not playing as well this year as he was. Alabama quarterback's hurt a little bit. Um, so anything can happen in college football. Notre Dame's at eight. They've lost once. Um, they're looking tough. Auburn's SEC, Georgia's SEC um, at 9 and 10, and those guys are no joke. And then you still have the the Pac-10, uh, sorry, the Pac-12 Oregon is their, their, their lone hope for trying to get into the, somehow maybe get into the championship or the top four. Um, but things have got to fall apart. And then I'm in Utah, and number Utah's 12, and, They've got to have help if they were to ever make it, but I, and I don't think they will. But, you know, you've just got some pack teams that are really good. I mean, just really good. I saw a play where the Alabama quarterback threw a little uh, screen pass to one of their receivers, and he, and he was just amazingly quick and fast and ran 50 yards for a touchdown. And he had a, a little bit of good blocking, but I'm thinking most teams don't have those kind of players all over the, the field. And so that player made that quarterback look awesome. The quarterback threw it five yards, you know, five to seven yards screen. So the teams at the top are just packed talent-wise, and their players can make plays. And that's the big difference between the, the top ten and the second – then you're ten through 25. It's just they don't have those elite players at every position. And that's just a big deal. And college you have – there's parity in college – I mean, I mean the NFL has parity, I guess, even though you have some horrible teams. But in college, there's just a lack of depth that usually separates the top teams um, yeah. from the next peer, peer, tier. So anyways, if, yeah, those teams. If Tua, if Tua doesn't come back, how is that going to affect Alabama at this point? Because they're going to put, I think they're going to put in Mac, Mac Jones uh, next week, and I think mm-hmm. Tua is going to be out for uh, maybe one week or two weeks, from what Saban was yeah. saying. So it's a big blow for they're them. Back. They're going to go up against LSU, right? And then they go up against mm-hmm. Auburn. Yeah, those are tough, tough teams. I mean, LSU is just stacked. I'm sure they might be missing Jalen Hurts a little bit. But, you know, Jalen Hurts is having a great year, and I'm sure he's really happy. 
and uh, you know, he's going to be there at the end for the Heisman hopeful. And and uh, but yeah, it's tough when your quarterback gets hurt and they get out of rhythm a little bit and they're not there the whole time. And it hurts them to win the Heisman. So I think right now is the this, LSU quarterback this, has the inside track. Would this be the reason why most of the polls and rankings are taking uh, putting a notch and putting Ohio State above Alabama at this point? I know the rankings come out in a couple of weeks, but Oof. it looks to me like because of Tua going down, there's an opportunity there. But Ohio State still has to go up against Wisconsin. They're going to have to go up against, uh, I think, uh, PCU. And they're going to go mm-hmm. at Michigan. So yeah. they got to continue to roll. Uh, I mean, they blew out Northwestern on Friday. But, uh, you know, could they be a two-touchdown favorite in all the remaining games? In other words, like, are, are they able to kind of just – Steamroll their, you know, uh, past Wisconsin, PCU, and Michigan. Well, the SEC and the Big Ten, they're just going to, just by playing it out, which is nice, they'll decide that because it's not cool when you don't have the teams to play each other and then you have the voters right. decide. So, I tend to think that Ohio State might be the one standing undefeated at the end. Just because you have Alabama and LSU that are both top five, and they're playing each other, and then Auburn's, you know, right there behind them. So I think that I think they'll be. I don't think they'll be an undefeated team in the SEC, which makes it even worse <laughs> for the voters. Right. So, but I think Ohio State um, could could end up undefeated. So. So what do we say at Clemson? They blow out Louisville on Saturday. Um, so they they're pretty much in the same boat as Ohio State, um, mm-hmm. you know, for LSU and Alabama. So they're right there in the mix, number one through four, and they're going to be mm-hmm. fluctuating probably. Um, everybody, even Vegas, has them to be a three touchdown favorite in the rest of the games that they're playing. So yeah. this is a team besides Ohio State. So we're looking at the only the toughest game they have, I think, is South Carolina, and I'm pretty sure that they're just gonna they're gonna win that game. Yeah. Yeah, they so, have the inside track for being point, undefeated, I believe. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so they they have that notch already. So they just got to mm-hmm. play out their, you know, their, their stuff. What do we say of Oklahoma then? Should should they be a double digit favorite in all their remaining games? Do you think they're going to just blow out their competition in the Big Twelve, or are I they ready so. for that? Um, the I defense think they're is pretty good, and the offense the offenses look pretty good too. Yeah, I I think that they're going to blow out everybody, and I think it'll be hard for the voters to ignore them. Um, Just I think more so because they have Jalen Hurts. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, They get Baylor. They're at Baylor, and then their toughest games, in other words, are at Baylor and then at Oklahoma State. So that's that's the remaining schedule. Um, so if they, they get through that, obviously they're going to be in the conversation in the top five. Uh, let's see here. What do we else? What my notes I wrote down here. So we got a good, we got a couple contenders, uh, that need an upset or two, right? LSU would be one of those contenders they're, They get to mm-hmm. face Alabama and they got to go against Auburn. So LSU pretty much if the Tigers went out and they lose to Alabama, there's a real chance they can reach the college football playoffs as it, as it stands right now. Just like they did, uh, as my notes were, just like back in 2017, from what I gather from my notes. But they sh- they would need to a little help, uh, Ohio State obviously or Oklahoma or Clemson losing along the way. Yeah, they can't. 
it, yeah, they're not going to get in with the one loss. I don't know. The right. voters sometimes have their prior, their people they favor, so it's tough. The SEC, so they everyone favors the beat, SEC. They got to beat the big gorilla, uh, and the opportunity to do it is if Tua doesn't come back, there's an opportunity they can do that, right? So there's a, there's there's that what if. Is it at LSU? Do you know? Is that game at LSU? No, it's at, at it's at Bama. Okay, so I would have given them that nod, but now if it's at Bama, I, I I don't know. You That's sound, a tough one. You sound like uh, you sound like Troy Wilson. <laughs> not gonna happen. <laughs> no, not gonna happen. Gosh, this SEC is just so loaded. Uh, you know, the yeah. voters and just all that. It's just so hard. They're all so good, and it just comes down to. A handful of plays, so oh man! But it makes it exciting. Just makes it awesome. All right. Also, to Penn State, the Lions didn't look perfect against Michigan, so they hung on to get the win, of course. And so um, they're going to go up against Ohio State at some point here, and at Michigan State. So Penn State's very much in the contention for the spot, uh, but they get to uh, face, I think, Ohio State. So that's their biggest, one of their biggest tests, including Michigan State. So. They would have to literally uh, win out both games to, for them to even have some sort of conversation to get in that top four. Oh, yeah, because those teams from the Big Ten don't historically perform that great in if they get right. to the Final Four. So, All right, so uh, I, they have Holly left us. Holly left us, but Oregon, so we're talking about teams clinging to some hope. Six and yeah. one Oregon. Mm-hmm. They're going up against a Washington State as their toughest opponent. So the Ducks survived a thriller at Washington on Saturday, maybe their toughest test to date. They're still outside looking in, right, uh, to reach the playoffs. But they would need, uh, like you said, uh, to your point, Louise, they would need chaos in the SEC and the yeah. Big Ten <laughs> to even have the Ducks to win, right? And big wins by Oregon and a Rose Bowl win. And now Washington State's 4-3. and three. So I think they should beat Washington State. But, man, Washington State's no slouch, so anything can happen. But, yeah, they got to have major chaos. Yeah. Um, the other team is Georgia, 6-1. and one. They would have to uh, – their toughest opponents coming up would be Florida and Auburn. So the Dogs would control their own destiny to the playoffs. Uh, but it's 21-0 win over Kentucky in the rain. Didn't inspire a ton of hope, you would think, for the voters. Mm-hmm. So Georgia's mm-hmm. still also in that in that same boat as Oregon, where they're going to need some faltering from the top four teams to kind of get in. And then we have Notre Dame, which goes to Michigan and Stanford. So uh, so Notre Dame's schedule really lightens up in the second half uh, after they go to Michigan next week. Uh, they will go in, uh, with the, their toughest other contest will will be at Duke and then at Stanford, which is. Uh, in most cases, most notes, I saw ESPN and uh, Fox and everywhere else on Fox Sports, uh, very doable. Like Oregon, it needs to win out and see if, you know, what transpires between the SEC and the Big 12 in terms of how they get in. Well, Notre Dame's ranked higher than Oregon, and they did beat USC, so it depends on how USC pans out. But it's still USC is still a big name. And, um, and then I think Notre Dame – because they are Notre Dame, gets an inside track to certain things. I know people say they don't or whatever, but number eight's not that bad of a spot for them. 
And I think the SEC teams have a tougher road than Notre Dame. All right, you talked about Utah earlier, and they get one tough game at Washington. So just like the Ducks, uh, the Utes will need to run the table, and they would need some help from, obviously, the rest of the country to even make, take, have yeah. a shot. Um, it, as it looks today, Utah and Oregon w- might meet in the Pac-12 championship from when it stands today based on what everybody's doing right now. So that's, uh, that's that would be game. two teams battling for a spot, you know what I mean, in the, in the college playoff. Um, Auburn is going up against Alabama and at LSU. So the Tigers, one loss. They would need to pull, pull some upsets, right, down the stretch to even have a chance um, at the SEC West title or to even get a nod in the college football playoff. So beating down Arkansas on Saturday was uh, a good start. Uh, Auburn controlled its own destiny, so that's going to be a really hard task for them as well. So um, it's the same thing with Oregon and same thing with what we're talking about. Everybody's got to, like, run the table somewhat and hope for some chaos in the other two conferences. Yep, but that's what makes it awesome. That's why college football is the best. All right, Every so uh, do we should, should, should we even talk about Florida? Florida will need to survive in Missouri survive at South Carolina, they would have to beat Georgia on uh, on their field, and then they would have to beat LSU or Alabama, uh, or, you know, or they beat likely LSU or Alabama in the uh, SEC championship game as underdogs. They could be a, so that's, they could uh, be a spoiler. That's, a, that's what I mean, yeah. It looks like they would be the spoiler. But it's not happening. I just don't think they're It's good. not happening. You sound like Troy now. Uh, no. I know. <laughs> Uh, no, they're not good enough to beat yeah. all those teams. You're like, no, not going to happen. Um, what do we say yeah. in Wisconsin? An outright loss to Illinois doesn't eliminate the Badgers, but it hurts them, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. But once again, they're from the wrong conference, just the perceptions of that conference. And so it's not happening for them. But I do think they'll get to a New Year's Day Bowl. Okay, so they'll have to beat. Get to a New Year's Day Bowl. They'll have to beat Ohio State next week. And then, and then, uh, then again, beat Ohio State again in the Big Ten championship game. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, they're a different team this year, from what I read from last year. So there's an opportunity there. Their two toughest games going to be at Ohio State and at Iowa. So that's still, uh, you know, one of those there. So, but yeah, um, that's, that's where we're game. at. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, the lower tier teams, I'm not going to go into because obviously it's just going to be, you know one of those things, but uh, eliminated Saturday from what I gathered here, uh, Michigan five and one. So they would be literally, no one's expecting Michigan to actually make a run this season, uh, you know, yeah. at all. So a yeah. second loss ends any hope for them. So we're not even talking Michigan at this one. Sorry, Troy, no more Michigan. Yeah. Cause they get Notre Dame and then they're going to get Ohio state. So yep. two tough, two tough uh, battles there. And I, I think they've, it's pretty much set and done for them, right? It's like off-season mode mm-hmm. now. They have to mm-hmm. kind of just play it as best as they can. Well, and then go they haven't there. beat Ohio State, so that's big. They're, I mean, they're trying to if – if Harbaugh can beat Ohio State, then that's a big, big, huge deal. So that's out there for them. And Do you really think go that's going to happen? Oh, probably not, but it's on their radar, and it's – yeah, it's on their radar. They haven't done it. If they do, then they can go to the Rose Bowl. So. 
All right, That's so we're gonna uh, we're gonna kind of talk about week nine next week, top twenty-five matchups. This is pretty much where the race is for the uh, college football playoffs. We should get the rankings in about what ten days from today. We'll get rankings. We'll really see exactly how the run's gonna be. But as we stand today, the top twenty-five rankings would be Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma as your top five. As we're as we're talking today. Um, Luis, you were at the WFLA Combine in Las Vegas, which was WFLA proclaimed WFLA Day by Las Vegas itself. Um, so you you were there. Uh, Lauren Crouch was there. Uh, a lot of LFL athletes were there as well from the uh, Legends Football League. Um, so what did you think of the Combine? There was quite a few LFL athletes. Uh, I knew about 12 of the girls that were there. There was about 100 girls, uh, and there was countless administrators and coaches and owners. I mean, I couldn't even tell them apart um, or who was who. And uh, there was a – yeah, there was a lot of coaches – but they all kind of had their different assignments. For the first, it was from 9 to 5, and they fed us breakfast and uh, lunch, which was really good. And uh, then we did the first three hours, we did combine drills, which, in my opinion, I think are fine. So when you do the combine drills in the NFL, you know everyone can play football because they're coming from the college, they're getting special invitations to go to the NFL right. combine. So those, I feel like that's a certain, that, that answers some questions. They can look at the players individually. Obviously, they can ask them questions, all that kind of stuff. I think for women, it's a little bit different because um, you don't know all the players that are there. They, they, everyone had to get an invite, but you really don't know the players. Um, I was surprised that a lot of them weren't playing Quite a few girls that I talked to weren't playing on a football team. They just heard about it. Um, they were playing LFL or they were playing women's tackle or they weren't playing at all and they were just good athletes and they were coming from other sports and they'd been playing flag. So they'd heard about it through that. Um, so I didn't feel like that the combine drills translated very effectively what players can do once they start playing football. So I know that any of the girls that I talked to that were there felt like we wished – that we'd had more time to actually play football and to show your skills in that sense. So to give you an example, there were some girls that were super fast, um, looked great in sports bras and super short shorts, and then when it was time to play football, they you didn't notice them as much anymore. And so that's why I thought that it that would just be my feedback for the event. I had a lot of fun. I went for the idea of competing. And just having uh, something on my uh, workout agenda that you're working towards, and you're trying to gauge yourself and things like that. So, and I had a great, I played great. Um, we only got in pads at the very end, uh, and not everyone did. So, like the skill people didn't get in pads, and we did a lot of sevens and combo routes. Uh, but even then, there was probably like 30 wide receivers, and I didn't feel like that they got ample enough reps to showcase right. what they can do. So I thought that that was difficult. And they were also, they were also the, white, the running backs were kind of mixed in with them. And then 
I mean, they did some fun things where they had like the strongest female. They had a uh, like a oh, what's it called? A, a rope in the middle and you pull. What's it called? Not yeah, an arm wrestle. Tug of war. Tug yeah, tug of war. So that was kind of cool, but once again, that's just fun. That's not really telling you if these girls can play football. And then they did like the fastest girl race. Still really fun. Um, I just would have wanted more football, and I think other people wanted more football too. So you're out there all day. The weather was nice. It was 80 degrees. You're getting sunburnt or suntanned, however you want to look at it. But uh, and they they have a vision. They have a hope that people will get paid to play the sport. Um, and they had. Uh, we were told that there was 12 teams so far in the league, um, and that they that there was 10 owners there. Um, so, but, but for example, I was approached by a recruiter that deals with five of the teams, and so he he's over. I, I'm not totally sure, and I don't want to speak out of incorrectly. So he was he deals with five of the teams around the country. And looks for talent in that area. So, um, so yeah, it was fun to uh, be approached and to be talked to. Like I, I, I said, I had a great day. I was well prepared. Um, I ran well and tested well. So, uh, yeah, it was good that way. And I had a great time, and I had a fun time seeing people that I hadn't seen for a while. And I know there's some players that aren't even going to play. Like I saw some San Diego Surge players that I know. And they, the surge is disbanded, and they don't want to go to the neighboring team, and so they're just preparing themselves to see if this pans out, and because there's teams in San Diego and a team in LA. So the exhibition, exhibit. I mean, uh, they're looking for the exhibition uh, to hook up with the the teams for the 2020, 2021, or 2020. No, they said 2020. 2020. Yeah, and they said. I mean, I was told. Uh, if you know, I've heard of Priscilla Gardner. So she is already on one of the California teams. She was in the Hall of Fame last yeah. year. And she is she's playing rugby right now. But she was there yeah. as a as a volunteer. And so, and checking out talent for their team in L.A. And she's not playing other women's tackle football. She's just waiting to see if this pans out. And so she's right. excited about it. And so other girls that don't have a a regular tackle football team to play with right now are just kind of hinging their hopes. And if this doesn't work out, then they're just not going to play football. And some of these right. are good players. They're going to the Hall of Fame All-Star game. <coughs> One of them, Nikki Quest, is from San Diego. She's a former USA national team player. So and several of the girls that were there are going to the Hall of Fame, like I said, to the All-Star game. So there's definitely some talent there. And then – so you have players that play tackle football, and then you have players that were athletes that just showed up and wanted to be a part of it and things like that. And I didn't know any of the LFL players. There was girls that had come from Nebraska that was on the LFL team there. She was a quarterback. There was several that was Lauren, girls that came from – Lauren Crouch is our Nudge uh, no okay. That was Lauren, Lauren okay. Crouch, yeah. Yep, and then uh, I had never met her before. And ironically, I just was warming up, and so I saw her. I didn't know who she was and just said, hey, do you want to warm up? And she's like, yeah, and then figured out soon after that she was quarterback. But also there was uh, several girls that came from Guam and flew from Guam and mm-hmm. got there two days mm-hmm. before, and so that was really cool and uh, very nice girls. Um, it was fun just to talk to people and 
there was people from Florida that had flown in. So I know they're supposed to have other other combines. I don't know where. Um, well, the regional base, from what I was told, they're going to go uh, left to right, west to east. So they're going to be yeah. doing combines in all those cities. And then at that point, they will be drafting, based on the combine, certain amount of players. I think it's a top 20 players or something like that. They get the opportunity to get drafted onto a team. And then they do another combine, and, and then the, the routine is basically the same until they get to the East Coast. Then at that point, it's going to be a matter of, you know, uh, putting together the squads, you know, who's willing to come onto the squad. So there's still a progress. But not, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a work in progress, and they, they're trying to paint a vision and trying to do this. Um, I'm not sure if it changed from what they wanted to do from the first combine, and I know they had a draft to this one because sure. uh, the people that approached me said to me, uh, hey, you know, well, like the first team that approached me was from Nashville. And they said, have you been approached yet? And I said, no. And he said, well, hey, you know, we'd like you to come play in Nashville. And I said, and, of course, I was very gracious and thankful and just those kind of things. And and I said, uh, I said, well, I don't even know what this all means. <laughs> and they said, oh, well, you know, you just get to decide. He, they didn't, no one that talked to me talked about a draft. Do I? Does that no. mean I know what's going on? No. <laughs> I'm just saying they talked with me and they said, hey, you know, you get to decide. And then, like. I think they're just assigning, like, people to teams and then big, uh, figuring out whether that's going to be viable at, at going forward. So, it's, I mean, it's yeah, just a process, I guess, in that sense. Well, and they also left it as they took my information and they said, you know, we'll be in touch. And because uh, the, the Nashville people had a different approach than the recruiter for the five teams because they said, well, you can decide which team you want to go to. And I said, I don't know anything about these teams. And and I said, you know, I'd like to learn about coaches and just, you know, those kind of things, you know. And he's, and so the process seems a little vague to me. Um, and so, and then also Priscilla said, oh, I was playing for San Francisco, but then I got traded to L.A. because she's like, I didn't want to go to San Francisco. So I don't know and understand all of those things. I yeah, just yeah. know they didn't say, okay, you're going to be a part of a draft. They just said, like the Nashville people said, hey, you know, come play for us and you'll be the quarterback. And I said, well, don't I have to compete for that kind of position? And so it's just uh, it's a unique thing, and it was fun. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm very happy with the team that I play for and and that I have been playing for. Um, but not to, it doesn't mean that it didn't feel good that people said, hey, you're good. Why don't you come play for us? And oh, like right. the LA, the LA people came to me and they said, "Well, where do you want to play?" And I said, "Gosh, you know, I don't know." I mean, seriously, you're like you're just playing football on this on this in this field, and the people are coming and saying to you, "Hey, come play for us." And I'm thinking, I don't know anything about you, or I don't know anything about your team, or anything like that. And and this is out of state, right? <laughs> and so it's right. a little like it's a little a little much in that sense. And so the LA, I, I can't remember her name. She came and talked to me and she said, Hey, do you want to play in LA? And I said, I don't know. And she's like, Oh, well you have to decide right now. We want to know if people are in or not. And I said, Oh, I'm, I'm super sorry. I just can't tell you that. <laughs> I just can't tell you. I want to go play for LA right now. She's like, okay, that's all we needed to know. And I said, I appreciate it, but you know, <laughs> it's just, you can't, it's, I can't just make a life decision like that. 
And, no, true, uh, of course. So anyway, it was, but it was super fun, and there was a ton of people, like there was cameras everywhere, and and they were doing footage of a variety of things. I, I can't, like I said, I can't even keep it straight, and I was just focused on what you're doing at the moment. So, um, yeah, it was cool, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I did, I did ask uh, Priscilla. I said, I don't get. I mean, what kind of money are they? saying to people and she's like well you know i was told that minimum was two hundred fifty thousand per player and i said 250 i said that's crazy i said the soccer players in the u.s are making less than 100 and the and the uh you know wnba the average is less than 100 so i said well, who's gonna pay for that and she's like well, well they have backers so like i said i'm not here to poohoo anyone's dreams or aspirations or Anything like that, I just am not knowledgeable on it. And, I mean, they only tell us certain things, right, while we're there. And so sure. you just know what you know. And um, and you just go and enjoy the experience. And if someone asked me, would you go do it again, would you go to the combine, I'd say for sure, for sure, just for networking, just to see the competition, just to see athletes, just to see – you get a perspective of female athletes that are out there. And um, I was in the minority in that probably 85% of the participants were uh, brown-skinned, meaning they weren't all African-American. They just weren't white. I'm Caucasian. So there was a mixture of um, races. But I was one of the few white folk. And uh, But if you just go with the idea that, hey, I'm just going to have a great time hanging out with people I don't know, and play football, then it's pretty awesome. So it was cool. Well, it looks to me like their launch is going to be pretty exciting, but they're very reserved in terms of details. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we'll be getting more information as the months come around. Uh, and mm-hmm. in 2020, it's going to be one of those big bombshells probably because we have WNFC, WFA, and now we're going to be, we're going to be having all these other leagues that are springing up. So it's a matter of, you know, when the WFLA uh, will launch completely, and we'll mm-hmm. see what kind of revenue if, you know, as they're mentioning now, where that revenue is going to come from. My understanding was um, they have an IPO uh, pre-launch. If the IPO goes great, then there's where most of the revenue is going to come in, especially with all the investors that are invested in it. So there's a, it's a matter of logistics, and uh, I don't know if they can do that within 12 months because a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, to launch something huge, it usually takes you about 36 months to get everything tuned out and logistically done. So uh, I don't know those facts, of course. Uh, we're, we've been trying to get Lupe Rose onto the podcast to, to talk to her about some of the details, but I've not been able to be oh, successful yeah. on that yet. But uh, the, at this point, it's, things, you know, was, glad you had fun. The two things I was going to mention is, A, there's so many good players in the current female leagues. And I wish there was a way that that many of them, not all, but many of them are really good, and those are the ones that ought to be, that should be, if they, if anyone's going to get paid, they're the ones that ought to get paid. Um, right. Not, not, I would say only a certain portion of the players that showed up are good enough to get paid, that's in my opinion, um, are good enough to get paid because uh, they might be wonderful athletes, but they haven't been playing football and they're just football is a complex sport, so that's right. what I would take away from it. But it doesn't mean that you can't go have that experience and and be you know potentially 
some raw material that could be great and if you had the proper coaching and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see, but I'd really like it. There's just some amazing players out there. The other thing I was going to mention is that now you see so many all-star opportunities. So you see the AFE and you see the WFA doing their kind of their, what are they team called? United. National team United. Yeah, Team United. Team United. And then you see, yeah, and then you see like the all Hall of Fame all-star thing. So there's a lot of opportunities for women um, to play and to play with other really good players. And I just love how it's just blossoming. So it's not just controlled by leagues anymore. And it's, the leagues don't right. have the final say anymore. So I just think, wow, that's really cool. And then there's all the stuff that's going on in, in Europe and all the foreign places and in Mexico. So what a great time to be involved in women's football. And and these guys trying to do what they're doing, you know, it is what it is. And it's just it's providing other opportunities. So I'm not going to say anything well, negative about hope, any of the things. Our hope and launch – I mean, our our hope is obviously if this model can work, this would be a front-running model that we've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, I mean, and but then I look at the WNFC and I say, hey, you know, they're 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 probably a they're probably they're doing good stuff. WFA is also doing good stuff. Their models are just different, as we've discussed. These guys' models is different too. Um, so I just think, well. There's people out there that believe in all of those different models individually. Some people believe in WFA. Some people believe in WFC. Some people believe in this in this other new league. So more power to them because there's a lot of women. That I like mean, the bottom line is sure. the bottom line. It's going to get to a point where uh, players are going to be, um, you know, the goal is obviously to get players paid and get the sport on to a level like the WNBA or the sport on the right. level of you know, college sports in, the, in that sense. So that's really what we're, get, we're aiming to. So, you know, one of these models might make it happen. Obviously, the yep. WFA model has not made it happen. The WNFC model is way different as well. And this new concept by Lupe Rose, she could surprise us and be the front, the, the person that actually yeah. catapults it to a different level. So we'll see how that the right way. Who, who knows what the right way is. It's like just because Correct. someone does it different than me doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. All right. Um, I think we have have Mackenzie on. Let me see if uh, Mackenzie's on again or not. Double check it out here. Um, Mackenzie, if you're listening, just go ahead and call in, and then we'll put you back on. I think her phone was bouncing off or whatever. So um, here we go. Let's see here. So, Mackenzie, if you're on, let me get you back on here. Get you going, going here. And we'll get her on here in this section here. She should be coming up in a second. Uh, and then I'll put her on at this point. And uh, we'll get going there. But um, what a great event. Uh, WFLA Combine, October uh, October 19th. Like she said, uh, a lot of uh, athletes, uh, a lot of LFL players, a lot of tackle football players as well. The opportunity is there from the first combine to now this combine. And there's future combines coming up. So we'll keep you updated on everything that's going to happen in the WFLA. Like I said, we've been trying to get um, Lupe Rosen to try to get uh, going there. But it's uh, basically just a matter of uh, wanting to find out where where it's going to go. So it's a different concept model. It's based on... Uh, from what my understanding was, is based on a successful IPO 
that could launch to a successful revenue stream, get the revenue stream set so it's balance sheets, and then at that point, you're able to afford that 250K for, per player. Uh, and you have a lot of investors willing to do this. So the, and these are all things that have been stated by the WFLA that they're wanting to get to that next level and launch it. So this is a very uh, exciting time for women's football in terms of trying to get uh, women paid to play the sport, just like you're doing in the NFL or in uh, the other league. So the salty one should be in the house right now. What's going on, Mackenzie? How you doing, Oscar? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Um, so, you know what? Um, we are just talking about the WFLA experience that uh, uh, Bean went to. And so she was just uh, detailing how, you know, exciting it was to have, you know, all players from every league in the States, from legend-style players to traditional tackle players. So this is obviously a draw for some players to see if, if they get paid at some point down the road. Yeah, I actually, um, before I started having technical difficulties on my end, um, I overheard um, the conversation between the two of you. And I have to agree with uh, Bean as far as um, the structure of how, you know, if and when women start getting paid to play ball, um, it should be, you know, those players that have been playing football and not, not just good athletes. You know, you're going to be a good athlete and not having played the sport, the, you know, the respective sport. Um, at least in the eyes of uh, women's ball. So I kind of agree with her. Um, I'm glad that she got to go down there and get that experience. You know, I was um, I was following it a little bit over um, the past week or so um, before she, you know, before she left to go down there. Um, look, definitely looked like a like a handful of talent. Um, I also kind of, you know, enjoy the fact that she uh, said that she was kind of in the minority as far as. Um, the kind of cult, like the kind of cultures that she was seeing around there. So that was kind of interesting to hear. Well, I mean, if you started adding, you know, if we start going grouping mentality, uh, you know, 95% of NFL players are African-American or other. So in the women's tackle football leagues, I mean, it's, you're going to still get that same percentage, if, if not higher, you know, and you're going to get a small percentage of other groups. So I, I, I think the, the bottom line is that we have a, a an interest Really, that's what we're having right now. We're a heightened interest, right? We got the WFA for a long time. Then we had the IWFL drop off. And then all of a sudden, we got, you know, WNFC coming on board. We have no new interest there. And this is another interest, right? Like, to Bean's point, if this concept works, then, you know, a lot of players will be interested to get paid. Just the bottom line. If, if it goes through and it works right, people are going to jump ship and they're going to try to compete on any of these franchises. Absolutely, you know, it, it's it's kind of like you know we just talked about last week and the week before as far as the interest of women, the the women's football in general is growing, and the interest to get closer to being to having a fully paid out women's pro league um, is you know clearly the ultimate goal, um, and I don't think I don't think there could be any. I mean, obviously there's flaws in any you know any kind of sporting entity or you know things of that nature that are you know paying their players to play the sport or, you know, players are getting some kind of compensation kind of thing. Um, I think all, I think in itself, it's all, it's a good concept. It's just finding that right niche to fully, you know, get it going. Um, well, technically you know, we're rooting so everybody on, right? 
absolutely. mean, go Lupe Rose, right? Go Odessa Jenkins absolutely. and go Lisa King. You know what I mean? One of them is going to get us to that next level where pay, uh, players get paid. So we got three different models, which is interesting, but at the same time, it's very exciting because we, uh, we have no idea which of these models is going to elevate the sport to a visible state and then obviously get the players paid. And honestly, I think in, in retrospect, you know, depending on, um, you know, depending on the kind of players, you know, um, the WFLA gets or, I guess, um, attracts, it all, all mm-hmm. the leagues itself kind of, they, they kind of um, shed light on, on the other two. So, like, you know, the IWFL and the WFA kind of did it for the WNFC. The WFA and the WNFC are kind of doing it for the, you know, for the W the WFLA. So it's it's, it's kind of like a chain reaction as far as recognizing right. that there's talent there, and you know there's players that have probably come from both of those leagues and and even the USWFL in some you know in some respects there's you know there's always there's always light being shed. Um, it's kind of like the older sister, little sister effect, like, you know, we're one of the oldest leagues and you're new coming into this, you know, we've been here before kind of thing, but we're still going to be here to, you know, help support you, you know, from afar kind of, you know, kind of thing. All right. Um, If you haven't gone to the hub, you need to go to the hub. The hub is the place to be because that's at facebook.com for Sasquatch Beauties. Uh, We are at, uh, Mackenzie, I told everybody in the first hour, we are officially at 22,000 strong on all platforms. This week, we reached 22,000, which is really awesome. Uh, on Twitter, you know I could we do just 22,000 of anything? Jumped over, yeah, 22,000. Um, and on Twitter, we just bounced over six, uh, 6,800. Um, so we did really nice. well today on Twitter as well. So thank you for everybody that's uh, checking us out on Twitter as well. So all our platforms, awesome. And on Facebook, we are doing uh, – Doubled the reach, so our our follow, our actual follower count is about 7,200. Our actual reach is 13,9. So we are like reaching almost double of what who follows us. So every follower is sharing wow. stories, doing all that stuff. Um, so thanks to, to Zuckerberg, I get all that analytics as well. You know what I mean? So about 13,9. That's crazy. On 7,200 followers, uh, that's a, that's a really awesome reach. Uh, and that's no advertising as well. That's just straight uh, followers sharing and promoting and doing all that stuff. So I really uh, thank all our followers on Facebook at the Gridiron Beauties Facebook page for doing an amazing job to get us to the another level. Really, really appreciate it. A lot of cool stories out there uh, on our Facebook page. Got inspiring stories from young girls doing their thing out nationwide and across the world. We also have stories and recaps of everything that's happening in the women's game, non-U.S., obviously, because we're in the offseason in the U.S., but in Australia, uh, in Austria, in Czech Republic, in Costa Rica, in Brazil, uh, all those places. So we're covering those as well. So uh, the best network on the planet covering women's American football is at the Hub. Right, Salty? Fact. Look, the Hub, like I, like I say every week, you know, the Hub is the spot to get all your info, all live links, recorded links, apparel links, links about things salty is real salty about, you know, it's just, that's just where you need to go. Like literally. Um, Tony Harris playing ball. I think Tony Harris is getting challenged, but 
Uh, Tony Harris was spotlighted on NFL Network this week, so uh, hats off to her, keeping it real. Uh, she's obviously set her goals high, and she's doing her thing. And uh, from what I read and from what I heard and from everybody else, uh, you know, this girl's really tough because she's getting backlash from the normal stuff that people backlash on a player that obviously has big dreams. Uh, but it's not letting her – it's not phasing her, in other words. So shout-out to Tony Harris, you know. Big look, big shout out to Tony Harris. Tony Harris is is one of my inspirations in the sport of football. Uh, you know, leaving the whole gender thing aside, um, and actually, she plays one of the schools here in Iowa, um, or has played. I haven't. I missed that game, and I'm kind of irritated about it. Um, and I just know that she's out here doing what most women as far as football is concerned are trying to get to. And I know her, her spotlight on the NFL network actually premiered tonight or is premiering tonight, um, depending on, Mm -hmm. you know, your time zone. So I am after, after we're done here, I'm going to go on a search and see if I can't find it because I, I shared, I shared that trailer so many times last week. I'm, I'm just thrilled and I'm excited um, to see what kind of trailer was one of our, her trailer was one of our biggest views on Twitter, uh, pretty much on our Twitter page. It was one of the biggest views on Twitter. And I think we shared it on Facebook and also a high view on Facebook as well. So, um, like I said, shout out to her. She's doing a great job. Keep it going. And I know there's obstacles in between it. So I'm pretty sure she's getting all those negative comments. You know, that all that stuff that comes along with, yep. you know, being in the spotlight and stuff like that. But she's a tough cookie. And uh, so we'll check it out on NFL Network, Tony Harris. Uh, should be on NFL Network tonight, depending on if you want to go to the NFL Network uh, page on Facebook or if you want to go on the Twitter page, you'll see it right there uh, advertised, and the link should be there as well. Um, Mackenzie, WNFC announces WNFC on the go uh, with the uh, arrangement that's going to be with U2 America. It's an app that you can actually watch the games, similar to what we had last year, but this is more stream and more – I guess a better format for your mobile platform and it's about 20 bucks. So there's just no reason that nobody can, can, uh, can get this for 20 bucks. It's pretty cheap. You can go get some recycle cans, you know, ask your neighbor, whatever. It's 19 bucks. It's pretty cheap. You know, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, being able to create an app so your fans can watch, you know, watch your games and watch your, you know, broadcast. Um, kind of a sick idea. I, I'm totally down with it. Um, I just wonder as if, like, if, um, are they trying to create, like, their own, um, you know, I mean, I guess they have they have WNFC TV. Because um, I guess some people can kind of, would, would probably, you know, mistake it as, um, like, having to have a cable provider. Or, you know, it's yeah, my understanding is that this is going to be exclusive YouTube America coverage that you can watch on the mobile app on the go. So it's kind of like, uh, a, okay. I guess, a partnership in a way. So if you pay the $19, you get to watch anything off the YouTube America coverages that you would get. So it's, it's sort of an exclusive thing. I guess if you're a fan, you want that and you want access to it, right? So, but I said it's not that expensive. So we're not looking for like it's, it's, I mean, nineteen bucks is not that big, that big of a deal. So yeah, no, like you know, kind of like you said, in retrospect, you know, 
grab you a couple couple bags of cans and bottles, and it, I mean, it'll pay for itself. Yeah, if you're a heavy drinker or whatever, I mean, I'm not promoting that, but if you're a heavy drinker, obviously the Miller Light and Bud Light and everything else will pay for it. Exactly. All right. So fluids is always welcome. People like fluids, so they'll figure it out at this <laughs> point. Um, let's see here. I'm not promoting alcohol either, by the way. Just make sure everybody understands that. <laughs> there will be no um, promotion of adult things on this podcast. No. No vaping either. We're good. Vaping no, kills. we don't so do we're, that. We're not promoting that. Um, Mackenzie, you got LFL, Mexico, November 16th coming up here. Austin against LA. We also have the International Women's uh, Honduras Tournament that's going to happen in March, uh, March 12th to the 17th, 2020. Uh, we have the WFA uh, big clash after the Titans game. It's going to be the uh, WFA game after the Titans game. That's in, I believe, in Nashville. And that's going to be the Misfits taking on Derby City. Knoxville Lightning taking on Columbus Vanguards. Then up north in the Pacific Northwest, December 14th, we have the WFA Holiday Showcase. That's going to be the Lady Gates, the Capitol Pioneers, the uh, Shockwave, Portland Shockwave, Seattle Spartans, the Sound Olympians. They're going to play uh, a kind of a round-robin tournament out there as well. So uh, a lot of events coming up in the next couple months, even though we got, we're into winter season and all that. Man, you know, this year, this time of year is always really busy for our podcast crew. I mean, coverage across, across the country, coverage across the globe, I mean, coverage across the United States, well, not even the United States, the, I like to call it the United Kingdom of football, meaning U.S., international, and anywhere else that may or may not have women's football. It, this time of year is just, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Ugh. Makes me giggle. All right, we're gonna excitement. we're gonna yeah. dive into the international scene right now, and we're gonna go pretty much from uh, Costa Rica. We're gonna swing over and kind of put ourselves in Europe, then loop over from Europe, and then we're gonna end up in Gridiron Australia. And that's really how it's gonna work right now. So in the next probably the next fifteen twenty minutes, this is what we're gonna be talking about. So this is an exciting time. This is what's happening. You can go to the Facebook page at The Hub, and you can check out everything that's happening in the women's game outside of the U.S. and North America swing. So um, week, uh, what do we have? Week five in the Costa Rica Women's Gridiron League, the Valkyrias 2-2 two and two defeated the Goddesses, or 0-3, 40-0. Oh then in week six, this past weekend, the Bulldogs, the champions, 3-0, and oh, uh, they were taking on the goddesses. We'll get the update as soon as we get the uh, results there. Four weeks left in Costa Rica, and it looks to me like the Bulldogs are going to take this another championship. So it's it just that that's the way it looks right now. But we'll, we'll still got about four weeks left in the season. You know, and I hate I you know me. I don't like to make premature assumptions or premature predictions. But I kind of have to agree with you. It kind of looks like the Bulldogs are going to pull away again, which is not a bad thing because if you're dominant, you're dominant. And, you know, until somebody knocks you off your dominance or out-dominates you, that's just how it is. I mean, well, I think it's going to be Valkyrie and Bulldogs. It looks like it's going to be Valkyrie and Bulldogs. Uh, check out the feature at the Hub 
Uh, Valkyrius week one and week two feature. They did uh, a feature where they're uh, for the week one and week two, and they're spotlighting all the players there. Uh, this league is very young. It's almost, I think, two years young. So, hats, you know, shout out to all the Costa Rica uh, fanatics and everybody that's uh, been able to put this league on the map. And so we're, we're following it because it deserves to be followed. Uh, but October 27th, uh, you know, um, this is going to be a big, big class here. We're looking at um, Bulldogs taking on Valkyrius here. Uh, week one, uh, Mackenzie, the Bulldogs took care of Valkyrius in week one, 24 to 14. The rematch in week four was Bulldogs 42 to 16. So I think Valkyrias really know that this has got to be a opportunity for an upset. So they got to play real good in week seven if they really want to take down the champs. You know, kind of like I said last week, it, it, it's going to be this is the time of year when it starts, you know, you start to get out of the first couple of weeks of season. You know, all the rush should be knocked off for the most part. Most of your, you know, small mistakes should be fixed and you should start being able to ball out to your team's ability. And it kind of seems like with most of the teams that aren't, that that are getting beat by, by the Bulldogs by large amounts. So, you know, that first, I mean, that first game was 24 to 14 and then 40, 40 to 16. I mean, it seems like, it seems like the, the, the uh, score deficit is big, keeps getting bigger. Like week by week, which means either somebody's well, not you know, adjusting. Offensively, the Bulldogs are pretty good uh, juggernaut. I mean, they're obviously averaging over, you know, at this point almost over 30 points a game. So their opponents are only averaging a two touchdown margin. So they're only allowing two touchdowns. So pretty stout. Uh, so we'll see what the result will be this coming weekend, week seven, October 27th. Bulldogs taking on Valkyrias on the road. Uh, it would be a great upset in this league if somehow the Valkyrias can actually take down the Bulldogs. So we'll see that. We'll go to uh, the Czech Republic. Week five, Czech Republic, uh, it was 27, uh, 62-27 at this point. The champion, Berno Amazons, and you had called it at the beginning of the year, you said Amazons are just going to just do their thing. And they're 5-0, and 62-27. They're steamrolling here. Uh, the Black Cats are 1-4. The Warsaw Sirens uh, get edged by one point, 21-20 versus the Harpies of Prague. This was a Prague must-win game and they obviously came through. You know, I'm starting to get real good at these international predictions, Oscar. Like, I I think I'm like three for three, four for four right now. I'm kind of proud mm-hmm. of myself because last year I didn't, do, I didn't do so hot last year. And now it seems like, you know, I'm kind of a juggernaut in this international prediction thing. Um, and I, I was, I was going to call an upset for this coming week in the next couple, but I just, I don't see that. I don't see anybody stopping. Well, we have week six. I mean, uh, Harpy's really trying to take, trying to stay in contention here. So week six, uh, you got Black Cats and Harpy. So the Battle of Prague is going to be in week six here. The Harpies are uh, averaging 20 points a game. Uh, So they're averaging about 20 points a game. They're allowing about 40 points a game, which is not good. (laughs) The Black Cats are averaging 27 points a game. And they're allowing 42 points a game. So it's a story of two uh, inconsistent teams. They're allowing big points and they're not scoring enough. So this could be a neck-and-neck battle in Prague for the, you know, city rights, basically. Yeah, I, the, the battle of, of Prague is always something. It's always 
it's either always really close or one team is blowing one one team is blowing out the other. And it's and I I honestly I don't know if I can pick. I just I don't uh-uh. I think the Harpies have it. I'm gonna go with the Harpies. They they're on a winning streak, one game winning streak. They barely get they barely beat the the sirens. Uh, I think they could probably muster that. The uh, Prague has only been able to put up, uh, like I said earlier, 27 points. So it's going to be a tough matchup for both of them. They're both allowing almost 40 points a game. So that's not good. Um, Brno will take on Warsaw. This would be the upset of upsets in Czech Republic. If the Sirens, two and three, can somehow, coming off that you know devastating one-point loss this, this past weekend, if they can take down the Brno, Amazons. Burnham's averaging 51 points and allowing 10 points a game. Scary. Yeah, that's um, wow. I didn't realize they were only giving up 10 points a game. You know, I feel like last year they were giving up a little bit more. I could be incorrect. That's almost. I, I, I sort of rounded it up, but it's 9.3. So I just gave them the 10. Oh points. gosh. Holy cow. Man, yeah, that's oh man, that's a that's a rough margin to compete with if you're the opposing, you know, if you're if you're the opposing team, um, if you're the opposing offense against that that tight defense. I, ooh, so uh, so you're saying the the Amazons go to six and zero? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. All right, so Warsaw is listening to us. Uh, Sirens, man up, right? Coming off this one-point loss, you got to be bitter. Uh, they're averaging 26.2 a game. They're giving up 34 points uh, a game. Uh, based on stat sheet, that doesn't look good against the 51 to 10 margin. <laughs> but you, it, stranger things have happened. So, you know, hats off to the Sirens. Taking on the champs. Go battle, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know that's not great on paper. I think all of us could agree. But like I said, you know, stranger things have happened. So as much as I want to take the upset, I can't. I I'm just this week for me is not a is not a week of upsets, Oscar. And you know I love a good upset or four. But yeah. I'm not seeing well, it. I, I, I don't know why. Yeah, the Amazons Amazons are proving their might. So I'm I'm just it, it's it's almost like going to get uh, trying to go against the Patriots. You know what I mean? Just probably not a good idea. Yeah. Probably not the smartest plan on earth. Yeah. Uh, playoffs will be next uh, after the 26th. The Czech Republic playoffs will start. We'll get you updated on everything going on there. Uh, I want to thank everybody in Brno who supplies us all the information. Warsaw Sirens have been amazing as well, networking with them. And, of course, the two teams in Prague uh, do an amazing job as well. So, And all the photographers that provide us all the information as well. So uh, in the Czech Republic, got one week left. And then the playoffs start, and it looks like Amazon, uh, the Amazons are looking towards another hoisting of another championship. So we'll see how that turns out in the next couple of weeks. Um, Great Iron Victoria, we go to week six. Geelong, 0 and 3, going up against Croton Rangers, uh, 1 and 2, and Croton comes up on top, 16 to 8. Then we had the undefeated Northern Raiders, who were just killing everybody. 54 to 34, and they take care of the champions, the Western Crusaders, who fall to three and two on the season. So um, I don't know what to say with this, but uh, similar to the Amazons, Mackenzie, uh, these Raiders are no joke. 
you know, you and I talked about this last week about me going back and forth with all these upsets, and I just couldn't do it. And I now see why I couldn't do it because it wasn't happening. <laughs> um, no, and no, never again will I would I even consider trying to do it. You know, trying to do that for the main fact. I feel like I'm going to be wrong every time. It, you know, just like you said, it's kind of like picking against the Patriots or picking against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Raiders have played ex- ex- exceptional. Uh, they're averaging the same way. They just they just own they've owned the season. Uh, Crusaders were really, really good last year, and that's why they won the championship. This year they're struggling, um, so they're 3-2 and two right now. Uh, they're still putting up an average of 30 points a game, but uh, the Raiders are obviously you know, doubling on that end. Offensively, they got a lot of playmakers, so 6-0 and oh is where they go, and 3-2 and two is where uh, the Crusaders fall. Week 7 coming up here, Croydon, 1-2, uh, and two, looks to even up on their season, and they get the juggernaut. Northern Raiders, Mackenzie. So that's uh, probably not good. <laughs> you know, I you know I can't I can't not agree with you this week, Oscar. Like I really can't. This, you know, you know me. I'm a, I'm real great for disagreeing with everybody. I'm you know I'm that I'm that person. It, it's not happening this week though. Mm-mm. Uh, the last meeting was week four, and uh, it was Raiders 50-16. to 16. So I'm pretty sure uh, the Rangers will remember that and maybe come in to try to, you know, do something better here. But week four was 50-16 to 16 victory by the Raiders against the Croydon Rangers. Uh, the next game coming up here is the battle of two low, uh, lower-end teams, Melbourne Royals taking on Geelong Bucks. is the first meeting of the season. Uh, so both teams are looking for a uh, – you know, a good win to just kind of just, you know, pat in the back win. So uh, we're looking to see if the Melbourne or Geelong rebound here and get the first win. So we'll touch base on that next week as we get into it. Uh, In the Austrian league, the Hammer ladies, 27 to six over the Wolf ladies. Uh, In Austria, the Dacia dominating Vikings. Uh, They're 4-0. Telf Patriots, 3-1. Schwartz Hammers, 2-1. The Danube Dragons, one and three, Salzburg Ducks, one and three, and the Budapest uh, Wolves are 0 and three. We'll keep tabs on that. You can go to the Facebook page and you get the lowdown there in terms of the victory this weekend in the Austrian League. And we got all highlights going there as well. Uh, and you got to be at the hub to kind of figure that out. So go to facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties and you're there. Um, Mackenzie Gridiron Queensland, we are almost to the end of the season here. We got told uh, November 12th, so we got three more weeks left in Grand Queensland. Uh, we are getting set for next week. Stingrays, Raptors, Ravens, Thunder. Thunder coming off that 50-0, to zero, uh, just taking care of the Raptors. Raptors are just 0-4. They're, just, they're not able to compete at this point. That's just the bottom line. 6-1 and one Thunder. Uh, so they, the Thunder and Ravens will battle each other, champs against the hottest team in Grand Queensland. Shout out to Amanda Ewers out there, just kicking it and doing her thing as, as on QB. And then, uh, so it's uh, uh, Christy Moran's Ravens taking on Amanda Ewers' Thunder. And Ewers is also the coach of the Thunder. Can you tell that? Quarterback and coach. Pretty, pretty awesome. You know, a dual threat quarterback in general is always super impressive, but a, a, almost a quadruple threat, dual threat quarterback, coach, and, you know, and the fact that she's the starter, 
Oh, that, uh, that, you know, it's like a Swiss Army knife. That's not something you want to mess with. All right, so Thunder really needs this win against, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ravens really need this win. Thunder on a roll, 6-1. and one. If the Thunder beats Bayside here, they would go to 7-1, and one, and they would own Gridiron Queensland right now. They are set for the playoffs. One more week after that, they get to face the Raptors once again, and that's pretty much a guaranteed win. So the Thunder really needs to take down Bayside just to secure themselves the Sun Bowl. Hmm. This could go so many ways. Mm. They're playing good ball. So I don't now know. it's like Bay, Bayside. Bayside is really in a nutshell here because Bayside really needs the win. I mean, they really need to, you know, get that win and tear down this Thunder team. They're red hot right now. Yeah, the, the Thunder's been red hot for the past couple weeks. I feel like, um, and they've been they've been silent about it too, which is the better part. Ooh, excuse me, and I think that I'm going to – got to stick with the Thunder. I mean, I just – you know, I don't – I just I, – as much as I want an upset, because like I said, I'm real good for, for calling a good upset, that's not happening this week. Like I said, no, I don't see any upsets across the board happening. Well, Man, I mean, all I'm I saying is – I'm going to kick myself in the got... face for that later. You got an opportunity here. You got a bye week coming off the bye week. Thunder five and one. They they beat the Stingrays eight and eight and zero. Oh. Then they before the bye, the the Thunder took care of the Stingrays once again thirty four to fourteen. Right? Ravens took care mm-hmm. of the Raptors thirty two to zero a week ago in, in on October twelfth. Then you're coming off this this next weekend. This is the big test. So it is Bayside's big test. So, uh, you know, Ravens out there, uh, somebody's got to cool down the thunder, and it looks like it has to be you. So we'll see what the result will be. Yeah, it, you, you you said they're coming off a bye week, which means they've had time to rest and recuperate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nope, I and that's what I'm saying. This, <laughs> no, I know. I mean, it's just, it's hard to go, it's hard not to go, uh, I mean, hard to go against them. You know what I mean? They're, they're on a roll. They're just, they're doing really well. Uh, hats off to Amanda. Uh, Amanda, one of our No Joke Football athletes as well. Uh, so thank you to her to uh, promoting and bringing awareness to the women's tackle football realm. So thank you in Gridiron, uh, Queensland. What a QB. She's awesome. All right. Uh, so let's go into Gridiron New South Wales. Gridiron New South Wales, week nine. Uh, it was the Central West Giants, two and three against UTS. It was six and oh, UTS. Then the. Um, it was going to be Neopan against CC Sharks, then Sydney against UNSW. Um, so we're, we'll get the results from those matchups uh, within probably within a couple of days here. And then the, one more final uh, t- week 10 is coming up this weekend. Central West taking on UNSW, UTS taking on Sydney, CCS Sharks against Northern Sydney. And the breakdown here is really interesting. Central West coming off a week eight win, 26. I mean, sorry, lost 26 to six loss to the Sharks. Then UTS loses again, 36 to seven to UNSW. Sydney, the champs, 56 to 28 over Neopon. And then this past weekend, so the Giants, Central West Giants, 12 to zero over UTS. Uh, Neopon, 21 to zero over the Sharks. Sydney, 30 to 24 over UNSW. So week 10 coming up here, uh, Central West 
looking to uh, go up to three and two against UNSW. UNSW looking to go to three, uh, four and one. So there's a battle there. Then UTS looking for their first win of the season against Sydney. Sydney is really uh, four and one right now. So they're on a roll as well, coming up at 30, 30 to 24 victory. Then the CCS Sharks against Northern Sydney. And Northern Sydney has been playing really good ball as well. So the Sharks uh, are two and two, looking for that three and two victory as well. So really tight races here in uh, Great Iron New South, uh, New South Wales. And week 11 is going to be tight. And you go all the way through week 14, which is through the month of November. So still a lot of football to be played here, but it looks like uh, Sydney's still holding strong uh, in terms of, you know, their crown. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them being derailed quite yet. Um, you know, we kind of had, we kind of had the same thing uh, go about last season as well. Um, you know, they were on track for a while and then started falling off a little bit, injuries, stuff of that, you know, things of that nature. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna stick with them until probably, you know, for the next couple of weeks and see, see how it folds out. Yeah, the battle is going to be really interesting um, coming up in the next couple of weeks because all the teams are sort of in the mix except for UTS. Everybody else is at one and two or two and three or, you know, they're in the mix, in other words. So the standings are going to be really Im- impactful in the next couple of weeks in this in this division. Um, so Northern Northern Sydney, 5-0 uh, and o right now. They're averaging 19 points a game. They're giving up five points a game. Sydney, the champs, are 4-1. and one. They're averaging 17 a game, and they're giving up six a game. Central Coast Sharks, they're averaging nine points a game, and they're giving up 11. It's a really good defensive team on both sides. You just can't score. Uh, Neopene, 15 points a game and 18, so really tight as well. They're very competitive, but they're not they're not firepower. Uh, UNSW, uh, 12 points a game, and they're giving up eight. And everybody else is obviously in the bottom of the barrel. So the battle really for the uh, crown in New South Wales coming up here, North Sydney, Sydney, Central Coast, and Neopene, looks like they're going to be in that battle for the, uh, to the playoffs. It, it, it seems like Neopin and, and Northern Sydney are both um, power power teams. I don't ever hear us talk about, you know, how much firepower they have. I mean, I know have, they have the receivers and um, that dual-handed quarterback, so there's both of them down there. Um, so it's just interesting to hear that they're not putting up as many points as – I guess we would like or that we're used to hearing, um, but their defense, it sounds like their defense is, is what is, what is you know, keeping them right now. All right. You can get the live stream of the Thunder 50 to zero uh, shellacking of the Raptors at the hub at facebook.com. You can also get the uh, game there, the 54 to 34 Raiders versus Crusaders. And you got highlights from uh, TD photography of the Thunder Raptors game as well. The Czech Republic, you can watch the game via Fox Agency on our Facebook page as well. 62 to 27, Brno Amazon, the victory there. Um, live, Brno versus Craig Black Cats. You can re- replay it there. The WFL Combine, uh, there's a story there as well. Uh, Lauren Crouch, one of our no-joke football athletes as well, and Luis Bean were there for the Combine. Uh, the Brazil national team announces they have finally uh, finalized the 2020 squad that will compete at the Honduras event in Central America. So that's pretty cool, pretty cool news right there. Yeah, you know, it's definitely it's uh, my I'm just I'm so happy right now. Like I said, all this all this football talk, all this news is just 
It makes me happy. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad there's good things finally starting to happen. And because I feel like there's been just, you know, not so good news. Just, uh, you know, you know, it's kind of like going through a rut, and then you finally just you have something great happen to you. That's exactly what this is right now. Well, and if you missed it, uh, the Minnesota Vixen played at the uh, uh, Minnesota uh, Vikings Stadium this past weekend for the Southern Plains football uh, pigskin event, and it was uh, White Vixen versus Red Vixen, so they had a great time from what I hear, and you get it, uh, some of the details there as well, so that's pretty cool. They're actually playing the NFL Stadium and on um, the showcase themselves out there as well for the fans, so that was really awesome. Yeah, I saw – I was able to see the pictures, and uh, one of, a couple of the players went live right before, um, you know, they ran, they ran out onto the field. So that's – oh, man, uh, that's, I hope that's something, you know, my team can get to do um, in the near future um, as far as, going, you know, going down there or going to um, another state to have an experience like that. It looks, it, that just looks like it was so much fun. All right, uh, breast, uh, breast Cancer Awareness Month is here. So, Mackenzie, you know and everybody else knows you got to do self-checks as often as possible. Anything going on, you got to get with your doctor or your physician or your favorite doctor or things like that. So uh, we want to uh, give a shout-out to the beautiful and talented Patty Hanna Blaze of the Detroit Dark Angels and her awesome shoot. It was an ESPN body-type shoot. Uh, so what, how fitting it is for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But she, that was a great shoot. Uh, whoever did that shoot was really awesome. It should be on ESPN Magazine, right? But it isn't. But it was li- literally that impressive. It literally, it, it should be. And it, it was just beautiful to see that there's, you know, because of the ESPN body issue, there's more, more photo shoots and things happening of that, you know, of that nature. And it's not, and if you would think people, you know, you have to, you know, look a certain way or be a certain way or, you know, um, right. You know, be accepted in a certain light and society. Yeah. To, you know, to do something like that. And that's not the case at all. You have to be comfortable with who you are as a person in your body, you know, to be able to do an issue of any kind like that, whether it's, you know, a completely, you know, complete body issue, part of a body issue, um, so that it's just it was really and she was since Whitney Zeely, I think it's five years ago. This girl, this athlete, this amazing woman, Santa Ana Blaze. She was the uh, first 2000 runner since Whitney Zeely. So she's badass on top of that. Oh man, oh, my heart's just my heart is happy right now. All this good, all this purity, all this good stuff is happening, Oscar. I don't know if I can contain it no more. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what we do, this is what we try to do, and this is what we focus on. So uh, shout-out to the Detroit Dark Angels and their awesome athlete and their amazing uh, talent, Tarehana Blaze, and 2,000-yard rusher for the WFA. And like I said, I think she was she's the first one since Whitney Zeely, which is five years ago. So badass on top of all that. So great line. And then they obviously made it to the to the finals. And then obviously they lost, but they made it to the finals as well. So it was really awesome. Absolutely, no doubt. And they'll rebound. I think they'll rebound. I think they're hungry. They'll, they'll rebound. Um, so we'll finish oh, up in sure. Italy before we get out of here. 
one uh, one uh, week two games, uh, two games in Italy. The Seaman Milan, 64 to 12, taking on United Roma. Uh, that was a spanking. And Apuninia Unicorns, 14 to 14. They end in a tie. Uh, uh, there was an injury that happened on the field, and they no longer could play the game. So they, the refs and the league decided to call it. So it was 14 to 14. Of uh, hopefully the in, injured players in good state now. But at the time, they had to call the game, so it was, ends in a tie. Week one, if you missed it, United-Roma uh, lost to Apollonia Unicorns 34-6. And then uh, the first week was Braves-Bologna 18-0 against the Pirates. So this week three coming up here, United-Roma taking on Brave-Bologna. We'll have all the details and everything that's happening in the women's game in Italy. There's five teams playing this year. Uh, Apollonia Unicorns, Braves-Bologna, Pirates-Savona. Seaman Milan and Roma United, and we'll keep tabs on everything that's going on. And the season goes through December 15th. That's when the semifinals will happen, and the final is in January 5th and 6th, 2020. So Italy kicking off uh, week two as well, Mackenzie. 64 to 12. I don't think I saw that coming at all, um, and I'm kind of shocked, to be completely honest. I guess I I guess I just expected that first game to be closer. I mean, you know, I guess yep. every, you know every every player, every team, every athlete has a bad game or a not great performance. I feel like sixty four to twelve, though, at least in week two, where you've had time to, you know, get you know get get everything flowing. I feel like that was just a bad game, you know, or ill prepared. Shout out to uh, Nausicaa Del Roto. Uh, she's obviously uh, in tune with uh, what's happened in Italy. She's one of our best resources that we have in terms of networking to keep us in tabs on what's happening in the, in the Italian league. Uh, so it's going to be great. The Italian league also had some bad news. They were uh, they were going to try to play a friendly December 1st, and unfortunately because of logistics and economics, they're going to set that over to another date in 2020. So uh, the blue team – that's what they're, they're called, uh, women's national team, the Italian blue team, will not compete against the Spanish team until 2020. You get the article there exclusively by FEDAP News. Um, so, like I said, if you miss anything, don't know what's going on, stay in the know, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. So, before we get out of here, Mackenzie, we've got five minutes. Um, Dallas looked different than Dallas against the Jets. And then you see the moron on Twitter that apparently, you know, Brady has to come over here three times out of the year against his defense, and there was no defense. Just what a what yeah. a fool. Okay, first off, my Cowboys. Um, kind of looks like Jason Garrett is finally letting Kellen Moore open up the Dallas playbook, like actually open it, open it for the. And I say that for the plain fact. Or that was the Eagles horrible? Have, or was just the, the Eagles horrible? And Roger uh, Winters gave you the game. No, well, I I say a little bit of a little bit of that, but yeah, I know what you say. I'm that. just all I'm saying is there's a good win, but horrible uh, Eagles. I mean, the Eagles played horrible. I mean, oh, he yeah. played horrible. Wentz played horrible. Well, I mean, he got he had a sack. Let's see, he got sacked mm, for third play into the first series. Then Demarcus Lawrence um, strip sack and fumble him um, for another. Uh, Eagles turnover, and then it just seemed like it just seemed like I don't know if Jason Garrett or K- 
Carol Moore or the entire coaching staff down there in Dallas just, you know, had to put the foot where it don't shine to get them going again. But Dallas oh, yeah. keeps playing like that. It's going to be a different story. I, I mean, I already think Dallas is going to be able to turn the season around from the three, the three loss, the three loss drought. It's just keeping the consistency. And Ezekiel Elliott was actually running like he's being mm-hmm. paid. And I was, oh, yeah. I was, I was for it. I was, I lived for it. Um, before I let you go, let's let's pick it out. Everybody else already picked it. We got Thursday night, Washington, Minnesota. Uh, I believe the Cousin Dig show continues there. That's my thoughts. I don't know what your thoughts are. So I'm assuming Minnesota should win this game against Washington. Washington's a much improved team with the new coach. We'll see if they surprise at all. Um, so I'm going with Minnesota. I don't know if you're going with Minnesota. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, old Kirk Cousins and uh, um, Diggs over there. Although I wouldn't be surprised. You know, our our good friend, the the football guru, Troy Wilson, is a Redskins fan. I think he gave I up on them already. Red, I, so we're good. You think you think you think he gave up? I think <laughs> if they give, if, I think if they give Dwayne Haskins a chance, they might be able to yeah. pull, pull off the upset. But I'm still gonna have. To I'm hoping. Minnesota. I'm thinking Rodgers will win against Kansas City. That's the next game on Sunday night. And if you're watching Monday night, I mean, it's a waste of time, of course. But it's the Dolphins against the Steelers. And if you're the both fan base, <laughs> I guess you'll be watching. Yeah. Um. I don't like Green Bay at all. Not a fan of them, so I'm taking Kansas City. Uh, then next Monday what? night, I'm going to have to take the steel curtain. Yeah, I'm not. If you ask anybody on Facebook, that's a Green Bay fan or that knows me. We know you're salty on Green Bay. I don't got time for them or their fan base. This is irritating wow. me. Look, I'm really like. Is it the yellow? I like the Stephen is A. Is it the yellow and green? Or is it it, it's scary. It's the cheese. First of all, I'm not so tolerant. I've got time to be. I don't. I've got time for all that. I'm. I'm literally you like don't the have female to be Stephen A. When salty. it comes to Green Bay. Exactly, like the cheese and salt don't go together. You know, you know <laughs> high cholesterol is not a thing, Oscar. Uh, if Miami beats Pittsburgh, I will not be surprised. But stranger things have happened, so <laughs> for sure, I'll leave it at that. All right, we're out of here. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Louise Bean for coming in, Holly Custis chiming in. We talked NFL, we talked college football. We talked the women's gridiron news and notes. I mean, a lot of action happening internationally in the women's game, not even in the U.S., but all through the NFL season between Czech Republic, Austria, uh, Costa Rica, uh, you name it, uh, gridiron Australia, all that's happening. And you can get it all at the hub at facebook.com forward slash parent. Go to the shop. Ends tonight, uh, 15% off, and you can get your stuff at Zazzle Save Day Today. Get the new leggings, new hoodies, everything else. Go to Zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauty. So uh, for Mackenzie Brooks, for the uh, absent Troy Wilson, Holly Custis, and Louise Bean, we will catch you here for 296 of the Great Iron Blitz. Don't forget to subscribe to uh, our podcast on Apple Podcasts and on iHeartRadio. Have a great night, everybody.